Hello everyone and welcome to Elsa Tilburg's very first podcast. My name is Miriam Rosayan and today we'll be talking about artificial intelligence system and how they can lead to discrimination. In today's world, technological development is at a high and human tasks are increasingly taken over by artificial intelligence systems. This, of course, happens on the basis of a data set considered relevant. As one might already suspect, this does not come without problems. Today, we'll be focusing on why and how the utilization of artificial intelligence decision-making, um, later to referred as AI, can lead to discrimination and its consequences, and what can be done to prevent this from happening. Therefore, um, we have invited a guest to give us expert answers on the topic. Welcome to our guest, Ms. De Groot. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and taking the time. Um, it would be great if you could uh, first introduce yourself and tell us about what you do and your research. Yes, I will um, try to keep that short, although you will find that it's already, or I find that it's already a complicated subject to, uh, to explain. Um, I'm Aviva de Groot. I am a researcher at the Tilburg Institute for Law, Technology and Society. And uh, my research focuses on uh, the use of artificial intelligence in decision-making systems and the problems that um, this brings for explaining decisions to people because of the complexity of the technologies um, and because of the specific setting of explanations to people, which are a very, it's a very individual situation. Yes, I think that's definitely um, a very important, yeah, that, indeed. <laughs> um, a very important topic. Um, so I thought that perhaps we can start with an introduction of the topic so it's clear to everyone what we're talking about, um, because I think we often hear about AI systems and the technology behind it, but what exactly are these artificial intelligence and decision-making systems? Yes, I think that's a very good question. And um, I didn't explain more about what I do because this is uh, basically the explanation for that as well. The point is, um, when we talk about AI decision-making systems, we should first explain what we mean by AI and then by decision-making systems, as you rightly point out. And if we talk about AI, this is already a little bit complex because um, the best way to describe artificial intelligence is probably as a field of research concerned with using computational methods to create knowledge that we can act on. Uh, but that is a very broad description. And when we talk about AI, people either refer to systems that we uh, have had for quite a long time already, which are rule-based. So we train a system to do certain things and then we use them to do something that is very much specified. So when this happens, this should be the action based upon that. Uh, and increasingly now, because of um, new uh, computational methods that have been developed, like machine learning, this, it, it means that systems are learning to improve their own performance. And this means that uh, we, we increasingly involve the machines that we build in uh, the creation of knowledge that we want to act on. So it's, it's less of a finished system and more of a system that increasingly develops along the way. Along with us and under our supervision or 
less under our supervision. And this is like when it becomes like, ooh, AI does something completely autonomously. Mind you, it doesn't. Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, when we talk about AI decision-making systems, we are talking about applications of such knowledge creation systems. So if we, for example, want to decide whether we want to uh, cut a tree out of 10 trees, and we use the system to decide which tree to cut, then that's an AI decision-making system. And we can use the system to say, it's gonna be that tree, or we can use the system to say, well, depending on this and this, I would advise to do X, then we call it a decision support system, and it's still a human then that decides. And so my research is about when such a decision-making system becomes so complex that it becomes hard to explain to a person who the decision is about, which is not a tree in this case, but a person, how, how was this decision made? They have a right to know that, uh, but it can be uh, challenging to explain. Mind you, older systems are also very hard to explain. So it's not a new issue either. When we also only had statistics instead of artificial intelligence, this is already hard to explain. So it's not a new problem, it's just a worse problem. Yeah, that, that does sound like um, an increasingly big problem when these technologi technological systems start to take a life of their own, if I understood it correctly. Um, where, yeah, then of course, um, if a decision is being made about someone which uh, very much relates to our topic, um, which is um, human rights violations, um, that that is a big issue. And um, so the next question that I have for you relates to that. Um, so how does how exactly does this lead to discrimination? And I know that this is a very broad and big question. So um, I picked two um, two subtopics that I would like um, to ask you about, which is the process of data collection and the feature selection, and what is problematic about that. Yes, I think um, you correctly say that it is a really broad problem because discrimination can, can occur at very different times in the process of using and building AI. Uh, so it's good that you, you picked out two things, which are incidentally two things that are uh, quite fundamental and important when it comes to discrimination. And I, I will do my absolute best to uh, say something uh, understandable about it. But of course, depending on the expert you ask, you, you get different features of that. So anybody really interested in this topic, and I, I'm really glad that you are, I hope all lawyers will be, uh, do, do read up on this kind of stuff because it is complex. So data collection and feature selection. Um, well, when we start with data collection, uh, systems are obviously trained on data, but data is not something self-evident. It is it's really important to know uh, which data are made available, about which people and by who. So, um, for example, if, if you want a system to train um, for a certain goal, for instance, uh, in the medical sciences, it's really important to, uh, to pick the kind of data from the kind of people that you think are important for the system to learn from. This is one point where discrimination can come in. For example, uh, and I did not use medical science um, by accident, in medical sciences, uh, a lot of 
training of systems also before AI was done on very narrow groups of people, mostly males and, and not including females, for example, but also um, white males in, 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 and not including people of color, for example. So that means that the research output is then already discriminatory in that it is um, based on a certain group of people and the results will probably also uh, be good for those kind of people, but perhaps not for the other. So that's the data collection part. Um, and this sort of feeds in also into the feature seduction. So if you look at what happens there, um, then we use systems increasingly to look at this data. And instead of us saying, well, look for things like this or this, they, they look for things that occur at the same time. So, uh, and that's a correlation. So uh, what may happen, and, and I go away from medical science now to go to another example. Uh, for example, if you want to uh, look at why children fail or do badly in school, for example, you feed the system a lot of data and it turns out that uh, children from broken families or with one parent or one active parent do worse than children who have uh, like a, a mother and father in the same house. Then that is a correlation. It doesn't say anything about what causes the child to not do so well in school. But depending on how the system is used, it might then uh, be used in a way that treats the correlation as a causation. And then it might say, oh, look, when children only have one parent or one active parent or two parents of the same sex, they do bad in school, whereas the two things are non-related in a causal sense. Does that make sense a little bit? Yes, yes, it does. So basically, um, a question that I, um, I have about the feature selection is that um, it also matters which school you choose, right? So if you have one school on one part of the city, then the outcomes could be very different on the other part, or is that um, wrong? Yes, I think that's a, that's a very good question. Um, for example, there, if you, um, and this, this feeds back into whose data is available in the first place, which is already an issue. So for example, um, if you look at, um, what's, what would be the best example here? If you look at uh, problems that may pop up in a family, right? So people may have uh, psychological problems or they don't have, um, uh, the child may not have the right schools in the vicinity to go to, then people who have you know, a stronger position in society, more money, for example, or more contacts of influence, they may solve such a situation more easy uh, than people who don't have that kind of money or those kinds of contacts. So then indeed, it really depends. And you wouldn't know that there are problems in these other families because they just solve them and nothing pops up in any system, right? So there's no, they don't ask for money. Nobody knows that it's a family with one parent because nobody asks because the kid's doing fine. So there are all sorts of ways in which some people are simply out of the picture and these might be the people that do really well. Now, I, I realize that I'm saying something that might come, might come across as controversial. So I said in medical research, if certain groups of people are not included, we have a problem uh, because it discriminates on them. What I'm saying now is that 
um, if we don't if we have uh, if we don't have the data of the people that are doing really well we have a problem and that means because it creates a picture that is skewed right we we think these problems only occur in this kinds of schools or in this kinds of neighborhoods that's not true um, and this is also uh, maybe a point at which i should say that there's uh, a diversity issue as well that plays out in AI research. So um, when these systems are built, it's important to look at all these things and to be aware of, okay, what are you looking for? What is available? Why do you think that that's enough? And, and it needs all kinds of people to be aware of what goes on. And if you only have one group of people, they might not be um, aware of all the differences that are there and then they won't look for that either. So that is why it's a, it's a very good idea to have uh, companies that create these kind of technologies also consists of all sorts of people to bring in all sorts of awareness within uh, the space where this knowledge is created. Yeah, thank you for the explanation. I think it's a lot clearer now. Um, and this is, of course, not acceptable since freedom of discrimination is a human right as defined under Article 14 of the European Convention on Human Rights, um, which is a basic right that applies to um, everyone in, um, who is a subject of that convention. And um, therefore, my next question is what regulatory measures currently exist in order to combat these kinds of problems? And um, maybe already as a follow-up question, if you think that these are sufficient. Yes, um, this is a good question again. Uh, I think the point is we do have a lot of laws. We have international frameworks, we have national laws, um, and they cover the right not to be discriminated. Um, but that's that's one problem right there, they cover the right not to be discriminated. This means you will have to find out whether you were being discriminated on or not. Now, for an individual, this is challenging. I hope that is, that is clear uh, by now because for individuals who have insights in what these systems do is becoming increasingly problematic, but it is also hard for courts and the judiciary to be um, to understand enough of these systems and it, it takes them a while uh, to do the reviews that they need to do and this is only when somebody brings it brings a case to court so in that sense we do have laws but the laws may not uh, be well placed enough um, for people to actively fight against these things then again, I must say there's there's positive things to say about that as well because um, uh, judiciaries also are increasingly flagging such problematic uh, insight as a problem in itself. So there was a recent court case in the Netherlands, and there's been cases also in Australia where the fact that these systems are so hard to understand is a is is flagged as a problem in itself, and therefore they are um, because they can potentially uh, make discrimination happen, they are already flagged as problematic. And this, this sort of brings us to um, another point. Many human rights are very much framed individually, and um, we've already seen how uh, this, is, this is 
hard for individuals because they can't uh, really understand what's happening and fight for their rights. Uh, but but interestingly, uh, this is sort of there's also self-regulation, obviously, and and the confusion about whether we have enough human rights and and what they do is very much taken up by uh, big technological companies to say that well, uh, we don't need to rely on rights or we don't particularly may not need new rights because we can self-regulate as well and we will do so. So we have ethical codes and we have professional codes and. Uh, this will be sufficient and then when we say something is non-discriminatory the courts can rely on our own standards of excellence and then uh, there's your proof. But this is uh, problematic um, also because that means that there is no oversight of the standards of excellence that they create because nobody really understands what they stand for. But this is also being flagged as problematic within communities that are self-regulating. So, for example, in research, uh, medical research in this case again, the, the idea is that researchers check each other's research. This is called you know, peer review. And, and um, especially in, in the exact sciences, this is very much done by replicating experiments. And increasingly, this is undoable because results are presented uh, and other researchers are not available or able to check the codes. And they're saying uh, this, this means we have a problem for our self-regulating system. So in the end, the conclusion that I could, could give you from my point of view is we, we do have enough uh, rights that, that articulate what we don't want happening to us. The question whether they are useful enough at this point in time is not clear but there are many researchers uh, working of course on making these 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 laws really work for us and then we can see whether we need new ones okay that makes sense and i think that's also where you come in with your research and um, where you're looking at these issues and um, trying at helping to um, make these issues disappear or at least um, smaller because I suppose to some extent we'll also we'll always have um, some kind of biases um, and yeah I think that's it from my side um, thank you very much for giving us this very detailed uh, insight in um, short time and um, yeah, I'm very happy that um, you joined our podcast and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Yes, I enjoyed it very much. Um, if, can I add something? Yes, of course. Because um, it's always when you talk about these things, it's you know, it, it's it's very hard for humans <laughs> to select uh, what to say when and what to leave out. Uh, but I think what you're you just said something that that sort of triggered me. Uh, you said we will always have biases. I think the whole. The whole point of, and this is where my research is very much about, yes, we do. Uh, we have biases also that uh, do not make much sense. We also have biases that, that do make sense. But we are not um, by ourselves able always to understand what's, you know, what's right or wrong in, in the biases that we have. Simply because you, you grow up in a world uh, which is already uh, socially set when you enter it. 
So I think what's important about the, the transparency and understandability of knowledge making systems is that we have the power to research ourselves and to see where we go wrong and to correct and, and make ourselves better. And I think one problem of AI is, is very much that is flagged at the moment, which is like uh, the, the biggest problem perhaps is that when these systems are used very much to steer our behavior, not just react for us, like, okay, this is a problem, this is what we want to solve, but also say, well, you know, um, let's, let's use a system to see how we can uh, predict what people do or, or steer their behavior. It becomes very, very important to know what we're doing because otherwise we will just amplify the things that we, um, that we do, that we find hard to research for ourselves already. And if they, if they become hidden in systems that we use, then we don't even know how to improve ourselves. And I think we still have some improving to do. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what it sounds like. And um, I think I can speak for everyone when I say that. Um, I hope that we will see improvements on that in the future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because then we can have some, I mean, they do uh, help us create good knowledge, right? I mean, we, we, we could make that happen. So yeah, once again, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being interested in the topic. And um, if there's any follow-up questions, just uh, do like you do. I would advise the students and just email people, call people, and um, this is how we create knowledge together, right? As humans. <laughs> And for anyone who is more interested in this topic, I can definitely recommend reading the report published by the Council of Europe with the title Discrimination, Artificial Intelligence and Algorithmic Decision Making. So without further ado, thank you for listening and see you hopefully soon in our next episode.